Everyone, my name is Tom Palzani, and welcome to the Great Design Lead Podcast. I'm a co-founder and CPO at Lula, and right now we're working on helping convenience stores deliver locally. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I, I thanked you before we started, but uh, it's it's really fun to be able to talk to you. The the funny thing is that um, uh, you and I both graduated from the same program, uh, which is pretty fun. And my strongest memory of you was, uh, I think, seeing each other in the design hall, uh, like on on our floor at Drexel, and uh, going and visiting you when you used to work at Comcast for your uh, your co-op. And I remember it was kind of funny because uh, the people that worked with you absolutely loved you and the entire time during the presentation they kept interrupting you saying like we love Tom so much we can't wait until he graduates because we're going to try to get him to work here <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's very nice. but uh but yeah I I uh I, it was funny because I was with a, a group of people that that came to your office and you presented to us about like what you did what it was like working at Comcast and stuff like that and I thought it was kind of funny that like you even remembered that I was there because there were, I think there were like 20 of us or something like that. So that was funny that you remembered me. Yeah, I'm good with faces, not with names. So yeah. I'll give you that. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so uh, I, I started talking to you a while ago, um, uh, partially because of Lula and partially because I was coming up on graduation and, and I just wanted to talk to more people that were on the other side and could give me advice. And it was really nice when I reached out to you and uh, we actually had a phone call a couple uh, months ago now. And you were so nice. You were like telling me about what it was like to set up Lula, like your the things that you did beforehand, um, all of that kind of stuff. And uh, it, it was really fun. And even um, to thank you, I, I sent you a couple user tests unsolicited, unasked for. But it was fun to sit around with my friend and and watch him use your product because it's it's weird when um when it's your own product, but it's kind of even weirder when you're trying to like test somebody else's thing. And it it taught me a lot when I was doing that test with him. Good, good, yeah, I'm, I'm glad. But um, so when to start um, this is kind of a, a weird thing to ask, but um, before you got into graphic design which is before you even uh got into um lula and and like programming and everything like that um i'm i'm curious about um what you were like before you went to drexel and and why you decided to study graphic design so so what were you like before all of that (laughs) i like this question um so i I grew up in Mays Landing, New Jersey. Uh, so that's in South Jersey towards, towards the shore of Ocean City. So, uh, you know, been on, on the East Coast my whole life. And uh, I, I went to some private schools and then uh, high school, I finally went to a, a public school, kind of a public school. It was more like a, a, like a Votech, um, but still a full high school where you would, you would pick a program. So for example, there was like culinary, um, there was engineering, and then I specifically enrolled in the uh, information and technology um, because when I was really young, I was always inspired by, uh, you know, technologist, um, cliche Bill Gates. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I always just wanted to learn how to code and, you know, 
build apps, build websites. And that's, that's why I enrolled in that uh, at such a young age. Um, and it turns out that they actually split the program into two tracks. And so, uh, you know, uh, for half of the year, we would learn like um, hardware, software, like very techie stuff. And then for the second half of the year, we actually did some more uh, like graphic design stuff. They actually had like a graphic design teacher that would that would teach us Illustrator and, and InDesign. And obviously it wasn't as in-depth as you know, the, the program at Drexel, but it was still a good start to kind of um, help, help young kids find what they want to do in life. Uh, and so I kind of accidentally fell in love with graphic design when uh, I found out they split the IT track into that, um, which I was not expecting at all, because you don't really think of graphic design when you think of IT. So it was, yeah. it was quite interesting. Um, but that's, that's really where uh, I mean, right off the bat, I mean, once I started using Illustrator and, and stuff like that, I was like, wow, this is this is cool. Um, and I get to work on a computer, which I love to do. So <laughs> uh, so that, that's really what geared me towards uh, enrolling into a graphic design program when I went to college. Um, now, Drexel definitely was not my first choice. Uh, I. I I wish it was because uh, I love Drexel now, <laughs> but um, I, I wanted to, I enrolled in a lot of art schools actually. So uh, RISD, Rhode Island School of Design and yeah. uh down in Savannah. And uh, also, what's the, I'm sorry. What's the one, <laughs> he also wants to be on the podcast. So. <laughs> uh, there is another school down in, oh, Full Sail University. Mm. Um, and so, I, I visited all of them and it just, it just wasn't, uh, I just wasn't feeling it. And then I got accepted to Drexel. I, I just kind of applied last minute because my grandfather went there or went here and uh, I found out that a graphic design program and I was like, oh, what the heck, why not? And I ended up getting accepted. So I went to the accepted students day and like immediately I was like, this is where I want to go. Um, there was just so much good energy and and the people were awesome and the presentations they gave about co-op for the accepted students, uh, they, they, they did a really good job. And so really grabbed my attention and um, ended up uh, going here. So now, now I'm a Drexel grad. Now I can say that I am one too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it takes a little bit to, to kick in, um, but it's, what, it's been a couple months for you now, right? Yeah, uh, uh, almost two months now. <laughs> but uh so that's really interesting that's not something that's that common uh for for kids because um most people that I knew growing up we all went to like the same public school I went to private school for like a little bit in elementary school and then I went to the public school I was really really lucky that there was a really good public school in my area um but uh how did you make the decision like with your parents that um, you wanted to go to a specialized high school rather than like something more generic, like just the one that's closest to you? Yeah. So I know, like I mentioned that I went to private schools, basically K through eighth grade. And so it was a tough decision um, for my parents, but 
because they, they wanted me to stay in private school. Um, I wanted to go to more public school. So this was actually kind of a happy medium where I could still go to a, a public school, but it's it's more uh, geared towards what I want to do. And so that was the, it was easier push there. Uh, but with that said, I mean, my, I love my parents. They always supported me with no matter the, what decision I made. Um, you know, as long as, uh, as long as I can buy them a yacht, you know, when I, when I retire, that's all that matters. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But no, I, I love my parents. They, they support me. They never, they never doubted me. I mean, maybe, maybe in some decisions, but they won't tell me. <laughs> that's good parenting being yeah. aware, watching, but not interfering. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they kind of let me just do my thing. Um, obviously they, they would, they were my parents that would watch over me, but uh, they kind of just, I feel like they let me learn pretty young about being independent and, and doing my own thing. So I, I appreciate that from them. Something that I thought was really neat that I really didn't hear much about when it came to other graphic design students was like this, this like duality that you had between uh, IT and graphic design. I remember um, taking classes where we would take those like I don't know if you remember the like the web uh one two and three those those classes that we took like html css yeah. and then javascript we uh i remember taking those classes and like nobody had ever had any exposure to that at all and so i was curious you you studied um if i'm right you studied like programming and graphic design was that like a dual major and was that a minor like how, how did that all work out yeah, um, so I majored in graphic design, obviously, and then uh, I took on a, a minor in software engineering. Um, I think it was halfway through my sophomore year. Uh, and, you know, again, going back to when I was in, in high school, I got exposure to both sides. And so when I when I came to Drexel and, you know, I had like a year and a half of graphic design, I started to miss the whole uh, programming side of things and, and coding. And what also helped was my roommate at the time, sophomore year, uh, he was a major in software engineering. So I got to talk to him about it. Like, what are the classes like? Um, you know, is it like, do you think I could, I could do good <laughs> considering I'm a graphic <laughs> designer and do you think they'll let me do it? Um, so I, I didn't in, uh, I believe I didn't apply for the minor until I took one class. So I took it as like one of my electives sophomore year. Um, it was just, uh, you know, basic like one-on-one coding class. I think we, we learned Python and I really loved it. Um, I did really well. And so I went to, uh, the office for the, the software engineering school and I was like, Hey, can I, uh, apply for a minor? And they were like, sure, but you're going to have to take all these math classes. And I was like, oh no. <laughs> So I was like, okay, let me, let me think about this. Um, so a couple of days go by and then uh, I wish I remember the gentleman's name, but he was, he was so nice. He called me back and he's like, Hey, I, I took a look uh, at your grades. It looks like you actually did really well in that, that, uh, that software engineering class you took as an elective. So um, we're going to let you take the minor without taking any of the math classes. Oh, wow. Like, oh, thank God. Because <laughs> I don't know if I, <laughs> I don't know if I would have made it through. Um, I like math, basic math, but not, not anything too, too crazy. So I was really happy there and, and blessed to, 
to actually get the opportunity to do that without all the extra work. So I guess my question is like, when you were taking those classes and when you were in your graphic design classes, because I can imagine what your experience was there because I was a year behind you. Um, did you feel different compared to other people in your classes? Because um, there's like a different, I'm imagining that there's a different um, kind of like idea of what you wanted to do with your career and where you wanted to go. Did you ever feel like a little lonely in that of you didn't really have a lot of people that were graphic designers and software engineers? Like, did you, who did you go to for advice? Like how, how was that like? Yeah. Um, so I never really, I, I loved my, my class, my graduating class, shout out to class of uh, 2020, <laughs> but they, <laughs> Quite an um, iconic year. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, um, you know, surprisingly, a lot of my class was actually, uh, once we took the web classes, um, everyone seemed to kind of fall in love with that and wanted to, not everyone, but I would, I would say a good majority of our class wanted to go into that, whether it be like UI, UX, or, or uh, actually like coding websites. Um, so I didn't feel too alone there. Uh, but I'm always the one to go against the current. So I wanted to try something different, kind of get out of my comfort zone. Um, and so I wanted to kind of stand out there with the, with the minor in software engineering. Um, I mean, with that said, I never like try to outshine anyone, but I, uh, one thing I can admit, I, I definitely was not the, the best designer in my, in my class. Uh, I mean, some of these, some of my peers, I mean, they were amazing designers and, uh, drew a lot of inspiration from them. Um, but I, I wanted to, I guess, kind of not spread myself too thin, but spread it out in the sense that I have a lot under my belt so that when I go out into the real world, I can apply my skills, um, still have my graphic design skills, but can also apply my, uh, apply skills to other areas as well. Yeah, so can, can you describe like the difference between what software engineering is versus kind of like the way people think about when they're like coding websites and, and putting things together? Because it just seems like like one of them is uh, in my mind of like a bucket of knowledge and the other one is like a well that just keeps on going down. Yeah. So, so can, can you describe, because some people like, don't really understand the difference they just they just see it as like impressive and like okay thumbs up I'm gonna keep walking yeah that's a great question uh and a lot of people are always curious about this so um the way I like to think about it is what we learned in our web design classes was it was it was very front end heavy so um that whole process of you know doing those wireframes uh, building out everything, whether you use like XD, Figma, Sketch, uh, building out the user experience, building out the UI, uh, and then going into that uh, HTML. Uh, that I, I would consider that very front end. And then uh, what I learned when I went into software engineering is there's a lot of other uh, behind the scene things that, I mean, we, we, we never learned and people don't tend to think about when they're just learning front end. Um, but 
more of the logic behind a website or an application, um, you know, connecting to like a database or storing information. Um, other things like uh, authentication. So, I mean, you know, when people make username and passwords, uh, you know, that has to be stored securely and stuff like that. And, and using tools such as AWS. Um, so I, I feel like it's a lot more uh, building the infrastructure to make sure that it can, can store all that information and, and work properly. Do you, um, uh, I, I have a, a good friend that um, he, he does things like that where he will make something that's uh, um, similar to kind of like a hotel check-in thing where you have to log in. There's all of these uh, pieces of it. And I remember asking him like, so like what integrations are you using? Like what services, like what companies are you using for these products? And he said, no, I just like do it myself. And I'm like, how, <laughs> how does that work? And he explained it to me and it went a little bit over my head, but I caught some of it, but I was just curious, like, uh, are you doing most things by, by hand? For, I don't know if you can tell me, but like not specifically for Lula, but it, projects like that. Do you think do you think do things mostly by hand, or like are you using like integrations that you source from? Uh, my, my guess would be like uh, Zapier, Airtable, all of these kinds of things. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm not at this current moment doing too much uh, coding and stuff, but you know, at my past venture. Uh, and a little bit at the beginning of Lula, um, I was, and we were always a fan of using pre-existing infrastructures. So um, for example, at our past venture, we were really into uh, React uh, mm. and we used that to build our app. And then uh, for our, our backend stuff, again, you know, database um, uh, authentication, we used AWS, Amazon Web Services. Um, and I feel like that, especially, you know, in a startup, um, using these pre-existing infrastructures rather than building it from the ground up really saves a lot of time. And they always have like either a student discount or a startup discount. So uh, it's not, you don't really have to think about the cost, at least at the beginning. Um, so I would encourage people to go that route, use these pre-existing infrastructures, AWS. Um, now we're using Ionic, which uses React, uh, and it's really cool because it deploys to, I think I mentioned this to you on, the, on our uh, prior conversation. Um, you know, it's, it's one code base and then it deploys to web, um, iOS, Android, uh, you know, so it, it's, it's really convenient rather than having to uh, code all of those natively. I mean, obviously there's some limitations when it comes to permissions and stuff, but if you're building a pretty, you know, basic app, um, especially from the start, it, it's a really, really useful tool. So I, I definitely recommend Ionic to anyone who's who's looking to build an app and, and get it out on all platforms. That's really neat. Yeah, because I know that like, it's always really frustrating sometimes when like apps are like Apple only or Android only or stuff like that. But that's yeah. that's interesting to hear. So to step back just a little bit, um, when when you went from that IT graphic design high school experience you went to drexel um where you had a lot of uh, like foundational design and you were also doing software engineering as a minor um there 
Drexel is known for their co-op. And if people don't know what co-op is, it's six months of full-time work where you're not taking classes for the most part, unless you want to take a class on the side. Um, so other other people who do five-year programs, they do three co-ops. Um, if you're in a four-year program, you do one co-op. And your co-op was at Comcast. So I wanted to ask a little bit about that because I feel like your experience there probably uh, showed you what like the real world is like and might have influenced your decisions on what to do after college. So like, what was it like working there? I know that it was like pretty competitive to get in there. I know a lot of friends who are like in accounting and all this other stuff and getting the, the Comcast job was something really exciting for them. So what was your experience like there? Yeah, it was, uh, it was awesome. I loved working at Comcast, um, but it was quite intimidating. I mean, you can see they have the two largest buildings in, in Philadelphia. So walking into that building and just seeing how grand it was, um, you know, so many people walking around. Um, I can't even imagine what it looks like now. It might be kind of dead because of COVID. But at the time, it was it was very, very lively and, and lots of people. Um, very, very, very corporate, uh, which is what I wanted to go into. And um, it, it was interesting because I wasn't really on a design team. Um, I was in the uh, marketing and strategic marketing um, department. And they wanted someone to come in and kind of just design things, you know, kind of lead that whole thing. And um, I actually didn't know that from the start. Uh, and when I got there, I was like, okay, this is cool. I kind of kind of get to do my own thing. But I mean, obviously, I had, you know, uh, responsibilities and, and I'm a manager to, to listen to. But um, a lot of the times they would just come to me and like, hey, we, we need this, like, can you figure out how to build it? Um, you know, there, there was this one project I worked on where uh, they were having this, um, you know what, like an all hands event is? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, they, it's like, it's usually like quarterly. Um, some companies might do it monthly, but it's where they get, uh, I mean, at Comcast, it was huge. It's, they get the whole department together from um, around the nation. Um, it might be even global. Uh, and so they had it at the, uh, in Philadelphia. And so, you know, Comcast employees from, from all over the world would fly in and, and come there. And so it was like thousands of people. Uh, two weeks prior to the event, they, they wanted to uh, have a video of, um, you know, the type of Comcast customers. So uh, there's the different type of Comcast customers are like streamers and, you know, traditional people who just get TV. Um, it's, it's really based off of, you know, what services they're using at Comcast. And they wanted me to make like a little, uh, you know, like segments of um, videos. So like each like two minutes and they were like, here, like, this is what we want. These are our customers. Uh, can you build like many two minute, two minute videos? And at the time I was like, knowing myself, I was like, man, this, I don't know if I'm going to get this done. Um, <laughs> but I, I literally would stay after work sometimes to get it done. I would, I would work on it on the weekend. And that's what really taught me how to use my skills really efficiently. Um, I, I've really 
I mean, obviously in, in the graphic design program, they, they teach you that as well, but this was like a real, real world experience where like, I had to get it done on time. You know, there was like thousands of people that were, that were getting ready to watch the, these videos. Um, and so again, that, that really taught me uh, how to work in a corporate environment, like how to get things done quickly, efficiently, how to communicate your ideas. Uh, and so I, I, I really loved the, um, I really loved that co-op. It, it was a great time. My, my uh, colleagues there were great. My uh, boss there was great. Everyone was super supportive. Um, but one thing it also taught me was, I don't know if I want to work in, in corporate uh, my whole life. Uh, and so that's, that's why I, I really got into the, um, you know, the startup side of things uh, during my time at Comcast. I, so it, it taught me many things, uh, which, I'm, which I'm thankful for. Co-op is a great program. I remember when I did co-op, um, it really changed my perspective on a, a lot of things. And it changed. It, the thing about co-op is, at least for, for us, it's your junior year. So you still have your senior year and maybe some of your junior year left. Um, and uh, I remember coming back and just having like a totally different perspective on like the classes that I wanted to take, what I wanted to study and how you're feeling about graphic design as a career if like you want to spend that last year like going into tech going into UX and stuff like that you you left thinking this was a great experience I learned so much but I don't know if this is the exact kind of job that I want in the future did mm -hmm. you change anything uh in terms of like what you want to do for your thesis what classes you wanted to take who you wanted to be friends with things like that yeah um Friend group, no, always did the same. Um, I, had, I had a really good friend group uh, from graphic design, so we still hang out to this day. Um, but in terms of, you know, the type of work I did, um, I, I always wanted to, you know, have new revolutionary ideas. Uh, and so it actually did, um, again, I, I said, I got really into like the whole entrepreneurial startup side of things. So I got involved with that group, Close School of Entrepreneurship at, at Drexel. Um, made a lot of great friends there. Uh, that's actually where I met my current co-founder, Lula, uh, Gupta, amazing guy. And um, for my senior thesis, I wanted to kind of treat it like a like a startup. Uh, and so I acted like I was making like a brand new company, you know, brand new branding, brand new idea. Um, and so that's. I mean, up until that, that point, I, I didn't really have a set idea of what I wanted to do for my senior thesis, but um, after my co-op, I was like, yeah, I want to like start my own company. Um, and so, uh, again, had a past venture during my college career, but then my senior thesis was kind of like a, an own startup in itself. And it was, it was called, uh, it was called Cover. Um, you might've seen it on, on my website. And mm. the idea was it would be uh, using AR, so augmented reality, to actually generate targeted advertising. So um, you can think of it as like a mix between traditional advertising, so like billboards, uh, posters you see on the street, mixed with that targeted advertising that you may see on like a website or an app where, um, I mean, it's quite scary nowadays how well your phone knows you with these ads. Uh, 
but that idea of like when you go out into the real world you know i imagine one day everyone's going to have these these ar glasses or maybe even contacts one day um, i don't know if we'll see that in our lifetime but definitely glasses i know apple's working on them and the idea would be when you look at a, a billboard it's it's not just any billboard like i don't know um for me uh like uh, a baby product billboard wouldn't really like relate to me right so <laughs> um if i'm wearing these ar goggles then i look at that billboard and it actually uh basically makes a hologram over it and it would be a targeted ad towards me uh so that that was what I built and and presented. Um, so again, it was kind of like a mini mini company that I wanted to build from the ground up. Completely new idea, nothing that really existed before. And of course, I uh, heavily on the branding side. So uh, all of the color palette, typography, uh, logo, website, um, all of that stuff. Obviously, that's what I, I built for my senior thesis. And then uh, actually was um able to get my hands on a microsoft hololens to actually build like a live demo um, oh wow yeah when when you look at like um i put i put these posters up in my in my apartment and then and i was able to record from the the hololens goggles like what a real live demo would look like so when i looked at a poster it would be like a targeted ad for me um so that was it was it was cool learning experience to actually do that kind of stuff I saw something, I think even like two weeks ago, uh, I didn't realize that a lot of um, like uh, European or like just not American soccer games <laughs> that happened. Uh, I didn't realize that the the bar around the um, the the game that normally has the um, uh, the ads on it, like on the field, um, I didn't realize that sometimes it's just like a black bar or a green bar and uh they change the ads depending on which program it's streaming on yeah and i thought that was so cool i didn't know that that was a thing but i think that's really interesting that that idea that you you have because it's kind of like taking that same idea but instead of like for different channels or different streaming services like it's just like your life Yes, yeah, exactly. It's 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 more personal to you, um, but yeah, I I agree. the The technology they're using now for sports events, concerts, um, that that's definitely a good example of like some AR technology that that's actually being used in real world use cases. Have you ever? Just curious, but have you ever had the experience of like talking about something? not doing anything on your phone about it and then just like getting ads for it yeah um that's what i was talking about it's kind of creepy sometimes when i I'll, I'll like talk about something and you know i feel like i'm not even near my phone and then i'll go you know when i have a little break sit on my phone and whether i'm on instagram um tiktok's really notorious for this where it's like very geared towards my interests um i don't know if that kind of answered your question but yeah it did it uh it's kind of weird it, right and like the whole thing with uh i don't know if you remember the whole thing that happened with instagram recently of like uh um them revising their 
uh, their policy and saying they have, they have access to like all your emails, your call log, like all of the contacts in your phone, like all of that kind of stuff. Um, and the the way that you you accept them is um, by just continuing using the app after a certain day. It's like I, I had a conversation like a while ago with some people um, from Germany. Uh, they lived in Munich and I was talking to them about like data privacy in the U.S. and like how we're kind of like it's fine it's not a big deal and then like I I didn't know that I don't know if you're aware of this like the whole idea of like GDPR like data privacy in the U in the EU and stuff like that it's like it's very weird to that there's a, a whole nother world where like uh they actually try to protect your data which is uh i don't know like what do you think about all that kind of stuff because what you're talking about the 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 thesis idea you have is like so cool and interesting and stuff like that but there's also the the other idea of like uh just like the listening ads which are are, are kind of creepy it's it in my mind it, it might even like put you in a little bit more of a an echo chamber I'm I'm just this this just yeah. in my mind. What do, what do you think about that? Yeah, it's definitely like definitely like a whole like ethical side of it, right? You don't you don't want to use uh, people's information for bad. The way I look at it, I mean, and privacy is definitely becoming a, a bigger topic nowadays with technology. Um, but the way I look at it is if you can use this information for good, right? You can use this information to improve people's lives. Um, and I feel like it, as long as you have someone who's ethical behind the idea and is not going to use that information for bad, for exposing people, um, you know, I, I personally don't have an issue with it. Now, there's some companies that may sell your information, um, you know, expose you and stuff like that. That's obviously not a good, a good, uh, a good look. But, um, you know, when, when it comes to like, for example, smart homes. Um, it's I think it's great that technology can learn your routine, right? And then make your life better or easier. You can also think about it in the way for uh, like senior citizens or or hospitals, right? They can use this information to improve people's lives as well. So, you know, it's it's with any um, controversial topic. There's there's a good and a bad side to it, but. Uh, Obviously, I'm on the the good side, the more ethical side. Where <laughs> use this information for good, not for evil, right? Yeah, I it is kind of strange because a lot of the time, like when when uh, when new tech is is developed, like there's always pushback on it. Um, there's always like something that you can find where it's not going to be good or something like that. But like, where would we be if we like just kept on agreeing to all of that? Uh, is I I like the idea of like doing having like progression with like guardrails of like okay there's kind of like an establishing of like what we know is like not okay uh and is invasion of of privacy but um uh i don't know i think like like targeted ads they uh they're they're interesting because i don't if i'm getting an ad all the time for like i don't know like a senior citizen's home or something like that like that doesn't it's that's not attached to me at all um so it's kind of like a waste of time and it's also kind of annoying but uh, an example of this would be like my youtube feed i i'm aware that there's like 
how you interact with things changes kind of videos that are recommended to you. And I'm really curious about like learning about web design and all of this kind of stuff. And I also like love food, YouTube channels and stuff like that. <laughs> um, so I, I just like took it with, I know that what I interact with is being tracked. So I'm just going to watch what I interact with, to try to like curate a feed for myself. Yeah. So that's like a, another way of looking at it too. Yeah. All I do is, you know, if I'm telling um, a really good secret, just turn off your phone and uh, <laughs> then, they're, then they're not listening anymore. At least I think. <laughs> That's a good piece of advice. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, at so, this point, you got to turn off your TV and your laptop now because it's all listening. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of creepy. So uh, when when you talk about this, um, uh, I guess between graduation and and co-op and everything, um, you met uh, your Lula partner. And I was just curious, like, like you said that you had a, a venture beforehand. And what I read online is that like you learned um, from that, it, uh, that venture and then you applied the lessons that you learned to Lula to make it even more successful. Um, so like, how did this start? Because I remember listening to you talk about it and you told me about uh, meeting uh, people, uh, getting connected with like they were thinking about starting Lula the whole idea of like naming Lula some people are listening to this they don't even know what Lula is they just think it's like a cool name so like yeah. where would you like to start <laughs> yeah well first off not to be confused with Lululemon <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's Lula with an A um uh yeah so I guess going back a few years um again with the past venture uh and getting involved with the closed school of entrepreneurship. And that's where I met a lot of these, these really cool people that wanted to start their, their own company or were part of starting a company. Uh, and that's where I, I, I met Audit. Um, Audit was a, you know, a, a really great guy. Um, I can't say enough good things about him, but it's just been a blast working and starting a company with him. Um, but we, we actually kind of met two ways. We met when I wanted to um, join. Uh, so the, the, the company had already started. So I joined after it started. And then we also were interested in starting a, a, uh, a blockchain club for Drexel. So we kind of- saw that. Yeah, we, it was funny. We, we met when I was joining the company and we also met when uh, we both wanted to start the blockchain club at Drexel. So um that that's how it kind of started and then really just kicked it off from there um there the the past venture was called vibe vyb kind of a trendy name i guess but um the idea would be it was it was real-time ratings for establishments so like clubs uh bars restaurants um it was a really great idea for you know city life right where you want to you want to go out with friends but you might not you know know the vibe <laughs> and uh, you want to you want to go on the app and see you know what the real-time rating is what what are people doing there now is it crowded is it not crowded um i i still think it's a great idea uh but i think we were <clears throat> one a little too premature in our experience and timing was was just not right uh i know it's pretty cliche of anyone that starts a company like oh the timing wasn't right it, would, it was a great idea but i i still think it has a lot of potential uh and then obviously when when COVID hit and all the, the clubs and the bars and the restaurants closed down, it was, it was kind of a wrap. So um, 
but it, it's okay because like you said we we learned a lot from it we really learned how to i mean we were only scratching the surface with starting a company um you know getting incorporating getting that brand out there you know building a, a, a really really solid team um so it was a really great experience for for audit and me to to go through that uh, and then you know fast forward a few years later once COVID hit um it was obviously around when I was graduating and I was still doing uh, grad school and you know so we we were still keeping in touch after vibe ended and we would actually um at that time we would actually get on like call like every night we didn't really plan it but we just <laughs> brainstorm ideas and um you know grab a drink just get on like google meet or zoom or something and just and just chat um and uh we would always come up with like different ideas for starting a company uh and it probably probably took a few months to kind of settle on the idea of lula um it actually started as we we called it drinks and chips uh kind of just i think I, I vaguely remember you telling me about that yeah and and we we built an instagram page uh called drinks and chips and uh what we did was we actually listed all of a bunch of products that we knew were at surrounding convenience stores uh and we we set up a link for uh like a square payment page where you could just input your credit card and the idea would be you look through our instagram page you pick some products you you dm the account saying like what you want give us your address once we see your payment go through on on the square thing then Ada and I would would go to one of the local convenience stores and actually drop it off to that person. Um, and that's kind of how we we tested out as like a thesis, right? Uh, and you know it, it worked out worked out well. Um, and then we got really serious about it. Obviously, we came up with the idea of Lula, and we it, it just kind of took off from there. Um, I should also mention one big factor in our decision was Ada's parents owned a convenience store. Um, so he had a lot of background experience with the whole industry, um, how things operated, you know, items and, and um, stuff like that. Uh, and so that that was really a good pushing factor as well. Um, and so, yeah, we just we started like around May or June of 2020, uh, incorporated in August and um, Right now, we're we're a team of thirteen people, uh, and we're helping convenience stores around the nation deliver to local customers. So it's it's been a great journey so far. Do you do you feel comfortable talking about how you came up with the name Lula? Yeah. Um, so I shouldn't know this, but it's the same language as uh, in Lion King and Matata. I forget the language, but it it means convenience. Uh, oh neat. We, we were just honestly at the time we were just looking at different languages that uh, translate to, to convenience and we saw Lula um, and one night we were just like yeah that's it I started you know coming up with some some branding ideas some logos and we kind of just settled on the color palette we have now and the logo we have now. What one thing that I wanted to ask you about before we get into how you're doing now and everything, um, when when you graduate, um, a lot of the time, uh, a lot of other people will go and, and get jobs at like, or uh, try to get jobs at uh, corporate companies or design agencies or things like that. 
you making the jump to be doing your own thing, to be supporting yourself and and everything like that is uh, not not easy and it can be really stressful and scary and uh you're you were doing it with another person and and then and then now you have people that are working for you i'm uh starting my own company of web design and development so i i can only imagine like a quarter of of how that was feeling at the time when you and audit were were first starting out lula um in your first i don't know a couple months of putting it together what was that like really yeah that's a great question um it it was very it was kind of scary i mean there was a lot of unknowns right we don't know if it's going to work out um but it definitely helps having a a great co-founder i mean i feel like that is one of the most important things when starting a company you have to have someone who has the same vision same you know ethics and stuff like that um that helps a ton and then you know, having obviously the same skill set, but also being pretty diverse in a way where like, you know, they can handle one half and the other person can handle the other half. And then you kind of just meet in the middle and, and build a company. Um, so it, it's it's a little scary, but it's it helps a ton to have a really co- good co-founder by your side and, and kind of tackle it together. Um, in terms of, you know, starting a company, I, I really encourage everyone to just try it. It's even if you know you're you're working at a job right now on your own time, just I don't know. It's it's fun to just start things and, and build it. And um, you know, when, once you get away from the the beginning and the unknowns, and you get into the the nitty gritty of things, it's a really fun time. Um, just because everything that you know came to be was was you know from from you and. It's a really good feeling. So I, I definitely want to be an uh, inspiration to to other designers to start their own company and, and you know, be a little more entrepreneurial. So you you have a, a, a great, I'm guessing, friendship and partnership with Audit. Uh, at what point um, did you, and I, I'm, I know that there's a whole point of, uh, um, getting uh investors and funding and and all of that and having lawyers to help you set up your llc and or or help you set up your incorporation um do you remember the point when you you realize hey this might work and on top of it might working we're going to be able to hire somebody else that's going to be a third person rather than just the two of us uh what what was that moment like yeah um so we 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 always had we we always knew it was going to work um i mean everyone we talked to investors friends family random people always fell in love with the idea which which was a really cool experience because with our past venture uh not everyone was was like on board right away um but from the straight from the get-go like people were, were in love with this idea. So we were like, this, this has got to work. Uh, and it was, it was just Audit and I for a little while. Uh, and then, you know, we started to reach out to uh, colleagues that we worked with at our past venture to come on board to, to help with some development things. We, we brought uh, a good friend to help with marketing. 
Uh, and then, you know, we, we started to make our first hires actually pretty recently, like full-time hires. Um, you know, we have, we have a really, really great team. Now our sales team is awesome. Uh, you know, business uh, development team is great. Um, so, you know, it, it is, it is just the, the founding team for, for some time. Uh, but once you get the, the foundation all set, um, get everything set up, all of your, your payment HR stuff, it, it's, uh, it's great bringing other people onto the team and, and building that. We call it a family. You know, we, we all get along. So it's a, it's a really great time. I, is it weird to you that you now have a co-op listing? Uh, no, we actually, um, we actually had a co-op listing with our past venture too. Um, uh -huh. but this time we were, we're actually able to, to have a paid co-op. So that was, that was really great. Um, and I don't, I don't know, I, I, I love the co-op program. So I know Drexel has really good talent. Um, so it was actually, we were, Ada and I were really excited about it. And we actually have, uh, uh, bring on two two co-ops in September uh, to help with um, operations, business development, and sales. So um, that that's really exciting. Yeah, I I uh, I have a friend who um, was applying to co-ops and stuff like that, and he saw Lula, and he's like, "Hey, isn't this the the company that you were talking about a couple days ago?" And we ordered from. And I'm like, "Oh my gosh, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> that's so cool." <laughs> but um, but yeah, so. So we talked about you coming from the technical school to or like the, the public school to college to what you're doing now at Lula. Um, I guess, I guess what is your, your day to day like? You said that you aren't um, doing as much um, uh, like uh, heavy programming and stuff like that. And you have you have people that you brought on to, to help you with that, um, like what is your day like man <laughs> yeah. yeah i usually just uh, sit around all day drink coffee and <laughs> <laughs> no um yeah i mean from like i said from the start it was a lot more hands-on uh building the brand building the app um Ada and i from the ground up built you know our first prototype the first version of lula uh and now we're working with um like you said a, a dev team and um getting that the second version built, um, you know, brought on a full sales team to help us, you know, get into more stores, uh, making relationships with with distributors and uh, other delivery companies such as Uber Eats. Um, so on a day to day basis, it's a lot. It's, it's kind of a mix nowadays. It's um, I still love to do the hands on work, like actually uh, building collateral, um, designing things and uh, every once in a while hopping into the code. Um, but a lot of it is also, you know, uh, some meetings, uh, building relationships, uh, really just growing the company. I mean, that, that's the, you, you kind of have to live in the future, right? Like what does it look like, you know, two weeks from now, you can't really like live in the moment. So it's, it's always thinking ahead. Um, but you know, I wake up morning every morning and I just, I'm super excited to work on on uh, on Lula. It's it's great. When you were talking about how uh, you didn't want to stay in a corporate job, um, 
uh, e- even though your your team was really wonderful to work with, um, I I kind of uh, felt a little similar to that in um, uh, sometimes working in in like corporate graphic design. I don't I don't know how do I say this. <laughs> a specific job that I had at one point, um, I uh, I was not that happy there. Um, I had a wonderful boss. Uh, he he was great, and I, I still keep in contact with him. I uh, I I it's just it was very strange. Like I it was checking off so many boxes. Like I I was uh, living in New York. I uh, had a great uh, co op job. I had a great uh, boss. Um, but there was something about like coming into an an office and sitting in a chair for eight hours and uh and being not really having direct sunlight and uh there's and and coming home and just being on a screen all day every day I I it was it was really weird because the the thing that I wanted the most in the day wasn't really eating or working out or anything like that I just like wanted to go to bed (laughs) Yeah. and and I, it wasn't necessarily because I was tired it's just like I didn't want to look at a screen anymore I would come home and I would like flop down on my bed and just like close my eyes so that I just wasn't being stimulated by anything and and when I um started freelancing and like doing my own thing and, and working with clients and like having these like great times of of uh working on a project from beginning to end, like being able to explain the whole process, like not really having any communication issues of like having to go through several people that are above you in order to understand what the client is saying. And then also the whisper down the alley back. Mm -hmm. I, I really loved it and I find it really, really fulfilling having the opportunity to go start your own company really, um, be involved in every step of the process uh i'm guessing working your own hours but like at the same time working all of the hours yeah. <laughs> um especially in the beginning do you do you find this position uh really fulfilling to you yeah i i the way i look at it of course it's going to be more work but it's something i love doing um like i said i wake up every morning and i'm just i'm just pumped ready to go build this company um and you know like a typical corporate job i know i understand why people love it it's very like secure um very oriented and 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 structured obviously you get all the benefits and stuff like that and a good salary uh but i i felt personally that i was being kind of restricted um and i i just wanted to uh sounds kind of entitled but it's not, it's not like that. Like I just wanted to build something from the start, right. And do my own thing and make, make decisions that, that can turn into something great. Um, but that, that's why I encourage everyone to, even if they're, you know, working at a nine to five, uh, it, it's tough, you know, having the energy after work to do stuff, but if you can just start something, I think people will realize that it's, it's, it's really fun. Um, you know, don't, don't think about all of the, the intimidating things that come with it. Uh, you know, like finding investors, you know, making money and stuff like that. Like you just got to live in the moment, have fun. Like you're building something that, that can potentially, uh, you know, help thousands, millions of people around the world. 
um, you know, that's, that's what really gets me going. It's like, <clears throat> I know when Lula takes off that it's going to be helping, you know, thousands of convenience stores. Uh, it's going to be bringing value to, to millions of people getting convenience items delivered. So that, that's, what's really exciting. I'm, I'm not, I'm not in it for like the, the money or the fame. Like I, I, I could care less about a salary. It's, it's more so making a difference in the world. And so that's, that's, what's really fun about it. What, what is it that the convenience stores gain in partnering with Lula that makes you feel so good? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, um, there's all these these companies now that are kind of making brick and mortar a thing of the past, right? Um, when it comes to so like Amazon Prime delivery, you know, it's 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 not helping out the brick and mortar stores, and so we don't we don't want them to be left in the dust. We want to give them the opportunity to still still make it, and so uh, by using our service and our technology, they're able to do so. They're able to. Uh, get onto every single delivery platform and, and to deliver to thousands of customers like right away. So it's, it, it, it does help out convenience stores a lot. And um, that, that's our main goal is to really just help out these, these brick and mortar stores that may be struggling, especially after COVID, it's, it's a tough time. So uh, again, going back to Otis parents going, uh, owning a convenience store, we're very empathetic of, of these store owners and helping them out. One thing that I thought of when when you were explaining that to me, um, when before I, I moved to New York for that that co-op, um, I I didn't really understand like what a bodega was. Yeah. Um, I I just like saw YouTube videos of like uh, there's like this one bodega that has this little restaurant in the back and it's like so good, but it's kind of like secret and stuff like that. It's it seems like it is a convenience store, but it's like something more than that. I think that it would be really, really neat to like have that like like secret restaurant in the back, um, like to be able to actually deliver, even though it's like super small, um, uh, maybe family run or something like that. Do you have any interest in that? That seems like kind of a, a New York thing. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> right now we're working with all types of, of um I guess in the realm of convenience store, it can umbrella a lot. So there's like corner stores, there's bodegas, as you said, there's your, your typical, like um, more like enterprise corporate, like Wawa and 7-Eleven convenience stores. Um, so we, we service all types. And then, I mean, there's, there's so many different avenues we can go with this model. We, you know, right now we're focusing on convenience stores, but the, the growth and opportunity here is honestly any retail store, any brick and mortar store can, could use this model to to deliver to local customers. So we're we're not limiting ourselves in terms of which way we can take this. Um, we just knew that convenience stores have the most uh, you know products that like people need in a pinch, right? Um, like convenience items, and so uh, it was good to start off with that. But the, you know the grand vision is we can really go into to any retail store. That's really interesting. So if if someone uh, owned a convenience store and they wanted to get on board with you like would they go to your app would they go to their website like would they email you yeah so um if you want to learn more about lula you can you can visit uh www.luladelivery.com and 
the model right now, you actually can order through apps that you, you're already using. So Grubhub, Uber Eats, DoorDash. Um, what we do is we actually build a virtual listing, like a Lula store. So you can go on any of these apps and search Lula. And what will pop up is, is uh, like a virtual convenience store. And you go in there and you see all the, all the products with pictures um, you know, and, and pricing. And it's actually coming from one of your, your local convenience stores. So it's supporting the local business and stuff like that. Um, so that's, that's the experience for a consumer. Um, and I was talking about earlier, you know, building these relationships with Uber Eats and Grubhub was really important. Um, so we're able to work with them and, and easily get these convenience stores on board. Because when, when people think about, you know, these, these stores, it's not really, I mean, I'm, when people think about these apps, it's not really like, oh, I'm going to go there for convenience. And so we're kind of, we're trying to build that into, into people's mindset that you can go to these apps to order convenience items. <laughs> yeah don't don't worry about the dog it's fine <laughs> I, I love dogs it's okay <laughs> um, but uh so that's the experience of so that's really interesting because i have friends that are like loyal uber eats customers like they have all of the points and the the special memberships and everything like that so that's really neat that that like somebody who like has loyalty to like one brand versus like i don't know like grubhub or 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 maybe they're they're super loyal to grubhub that like that's a, a thing that they can do so um so if that's the experience for um the 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 consumer um for the the seller um i i guess how how, how did you answer how they could get in contact with you and how they could uh join you or is it more like you approach them Oh, I'm sorry. Like, do you mean uh, stores or like consumers? The the stores, like the if oh, I sure. own a like uh, Julie's convenience store, like how do I uh, get onto Lula? Yeah, so um, we do have our our website specifically for uh, stores. So I mentioned LulaDelivery.com. That's more for geared towards the, the consumer target audience, and then we have um, LulaDelivery.store. Hey, sorry. Um, LulaDelivery.store, which is where stores can actually go to and sign up their stores. So they enter their store name, their store address, their store hours, uh, and and so on and so forth. And then we actually reach out to them. We have a dedicated, um, you know, store specialist team that'll that'll get them all set up, get their inventory, uh, and then we actually ship out like a welcome package to them. So that includes uh, the Lula takeout bags marketing material, like flyers, stickers they can they can put around their store. And then we actually give them one tablet where all of the orders, whether it's from Grubhub, Uber Eats, DoorDash, are coming into to one dashboard. Um, mm. And so that that's really like huge value for uh, these stores. Not only are they getting onto every single platform, but they can manage it from from one place. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. that's really really neat so they would just like go to your website and then they'd figure it out from there that's really cool so we we talked about about lulo and and how you got to where you are now um did we talk much about your your plans for the future and if you don't want to talk about it here that that's fine too but if you're you're thinking about the future like sometimes when people say hey so what's your five-year plan to me Emily I'm like oh I'm just trying to get to Thursday (laughs) 
And so yeah. like, oh, uh, I was just curious, like, if we, we know where, where you're at now, um, do you have thoughts for the, the next year or so? Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's, it's just building Lula to be the best company it can be. Um, you know, Ada and I have very grand visions for where we want to take this company. And so I think it's going to you know, be be a few years or more at Lula, really building it to be a great company. Um, beyond that, uh, you know, I just I just really want to keep building companies. Uh, I think you know, after you build one company, you just get the itch to, and you know how to do it. Just keep building companies. Um, one thing I always uh, aspired to do was actually build my own design firm. So. Hmm. Um, more like technology related but also kind of an umbrella of, of any type of design but not just sticking to graphic design i mean there, there's there's all different types of art out there so um kind of just this huge umbrella of of art and design that's really interesting so there might be a point in in your life where um uh companies might be coming up to you in your firm saying hey like we have this great idea for a uh, a company, but like we have no idea how to build an app, or we don't know anything about branding or anything like that. Like, can you help us? That that might be in the cards for you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's it's a very different beast when you're handling, uh, you know, getting a company off the ground and and handling all of the the design related stuff. And um, I would love to help other people get that exposure and and you know whether it be the branding or the uh, building the app or, you know, building pitch decks, um, you know, is, is like a big thing. So all types of stuff for, I, I guess you could say like, uh, I definitely want to gear it towards people that are, are looking to start something. When you look back on the, the years that you, um, you were working on this company, and I was about to say, like, amazing project, but company, um, were there things that specifically helped you? Like, I know there are specific books that that really helped me get to the point where I am and uh, change my mindset. Or there's certain classes that I took on online or or things like that. Were there things that stick out to you when you think back on it? Yeah. Um, so there was the um, some Udemy courses, specifically the uh, the one I sent to you, uh, become a product manager. Um, I I think if you're I think it's great for people who are have a little bit of design experience and a little bit of engineering experience because when you're a product manager, you get to work with with those people, right? You work with the UI UX, you work with the engineering team, uh, and you you kind of just build the roadmap and you know the features and the timeline and um, all of all of the tiny details and documentation, and then you work with everyone to kind of build the vision. Uh, so it's uh, I think it's I think it's called Become a Product Manager um, by Cole Mercer. And it's it's a great, great course. Uh, I it was like a 13 hour course, but I think I completed it in like like five. I was just so excited. <laughs> yeah, it, it was great. Um, so that's on Udemy. And then uh, book-wise, there's there's a, a bunch of great books that I read. So one of them is Traction. That's more of how to um, structure a company and and you know finding the right people. Uh, another great one was uh, Culture Code 
again, that's more of like team and, and building the right culture at a company. Um, those are, are two really good books that I, I recommend. Great. I, I wasn't that much like in, in college, like we would, uh, there would be books that we would be required to buy and then uh, we would read like maybe a chapter of it <laughs> and then uh, we wouldn't really cover the rest of it but when I when I went to college uh, uh, when I when I graduated um, uh, I think she was your year uh, Casey Cadwick uh, uh, um, mm -hmm. she uh, she actually dropped up a ton of UX books and they were so so, so helpful to me and it was it's definitely weird because like the way that they're written is like I don't know. It's just different. And, and I really love them. So definitely if you're listening and you are interested in what Tom's doing, like definitely listen to the book recommendations because you never know uh, what kind of cool stuff is going to be in them until you actually listen to them or, or read them. Um, but uh, I, I have some random thoughts written down. Uh, of things I wanted to talk to you about um, in the the last uh, couple minutes of the podcast, if if you'd humor me, uh, do you yeah. mind if I bring them up? <laughs> yeah, go for it. So, um, do you really like wakeboarding? <laughs> um, <laughs> so, I, I I have, I think I know why you brought this up. So, uh, in my hometown, <laughs> um, a lot of the kids would do. There's a there's a local lake, and a lot of the kids would do wakeboarding. Uh, I personally am not into wakeboarding, um, but I was always kind of exposed to it. Uh, a lot of people by my uh, my hometown owned boats, and so they would always go wakeboarding. I would do like tubing. That was always fun, but I feel like I never had the skills to actually stand up on like a wakeboard and do that. <laughs> um, but with that said, uh, the uh, the Wake Up Project is um, an organization that that helps fight against uh, suicide and um, suicide prevention and they do that by raising money through through wakeboarding events uh in south jersey so it's, it's a really great company the wake up project and i'm actually really good friends um uh with vince giordano who who's the the founder um we actually grew up in the same neighborhood so it was it was, it was cool to find out he was starting that and then I, I wanted to help him out with branding and stuff why does that name sound so familiar is it vince giordano yeah yeah does he work at a design firm in Philly? That sounds so familiar. Um, I don't think so. Oh, okay. Maybe maybe that's another. There's another Giordano in Philly that I think works for um, Eastern Standard, but uh, maybe maybe it's a different Giordano. I always remember Giordanos. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, but yeah. So that 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 explains that. That's really interesting. And. Uh, Another thing I saw is I was looking at your your stuff and I've been like really um, focused on Xfinity because I'm moving apartments in a week and I had to get new internet and uh, I actually saw your your uh, Xfinity Flex work on your your um, your portfolio website and oh, yeah. I was really curious how you came up with this phrase of uh, Xfinity Flex. It time it's time to flex on your ex streaming service. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I loved that. Thanks. And, yes. and it, for context, it says it times to it's time to flex on your ex, and then there's like a uh, a star, uh, and then uh, in the fine details, it says like ex streaming service, but it just says it's time to flex on your ex, and I I thought that was really really funny. Yeah, 
that uh yeah thanks i appreciate that um so that was actually uh a project i worked on uh, after working at comcast um that was actually for one of our, our web design classes and uh during my time at comcast is when they were really trying to push their new streaming device i'm, I'm not sure how well it's doing now um i haven't heard too much about it to be honest but it was a really cool product i mean it's 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 basically like a um uh, like a fire stick, like an Amazon fire stick where, uh, you know, when you sign up for Comcast service, they send you one for free. Um, it, and it was definitely geared towards the younger generation. And so I wanted to capture their attention with like a funny phrase, right? Like the whole flex on your ex. Uh, <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I, I'm not sure if it's, uh, you can probably look into it. The, um, uh, Xfinity Flex, you might be able to to get it. I'm not sure if they're still working on it, if they have another another product available, but I'm sure they're still providing some type of streaming device. Yeah, yeah. I, I was literally like just in their store the other day. Like, I I was buying new internet, and I was like, "Hey, this modem and this router are good, right?" And I looked the guy in the <laughs> eyes. He's like, "No." And <laughs> We had you spent some time on my phone on Amazon picking out the right ones for me. And so their customer service was very good. He was really nice. Um, but uh, the, the last thing I wanted to bring up um, before we close up and, and tell people how to reach out to us is um, uh, you talked about this briefly, but I wanted to bring back to it. Um, uh, why are you so interested in blockchain? Um, I mean, it might be self-explanatory because it's cool, but like I was specifically wondering like um why were you so interested in it to the point that you wanted to start a club for it yeah uh that's a great question so again i'm always interested in these i mean blockchain's been around since like 2008 with the invention of bitcoin but uh, more recently it's been applied to real world use cases um so you know databases uh payment services and and so on and so forth and a lot of uh, bigger corporations are starting to realize that. Um, but, you know, at the beginning of college is when I really got into it uh, and I wanted to introduce it to, to other people as well. So I actually met with uh, President Fry to uh, see if they could get some classes incorporated into the curriculum. But um, he said, you know, start a club, see if people find it interesting and then and then maybe it'll happen so that's kind of how that happened but uh i'm still very much into blockchain today and hopefully it's something we can apply to to lula's technology um but it's it's still very young and new and i i think it's gonna uh go places like it's it's definitely gonna be big are you uh, do you know who graham stefan is do you know uh, who that is? Not familiar, no. Oh, okay. He's a um he's a finance YouTuber that I'm a super big fan of. And he talks about Bitcoin and all of these different things. He's he's a little bit uh uh more conservative of like he's like, I don't I don't know, it's like a new thing. Like I'll yeah. I'll try to be cautious about it. But um are are you I know blockchain is like the umbrella term, but are you like do you follow like dogecoin and uh bitcoin and all of these different things yeah so um i think people might get confused between like 
So when people hear blockchain, they tend to relate it to like cryptocurrency and the whole finance side of things, Bitcoin especially. Um, and it's it's kind of like this wild west crazy thing, right? Where anything can happen. People lose tons of money and people make tons of money. So it goes either way. Uh, but the whole Dogecoin fiasco, I think, <laughs> was just kind of like a, I mean, it's definitely here to stay. That was definitely yeah. more like a, like a trend. And Dogecoin's been around, geez, I mean, I want to say like five or six years. Don't quote me on that. But it's been around much longer than people think. But it's definitely been highlighted this past year. Um, and I, I'm not uh, too into the whole investment cryptocurrency side of things. Um, I, I was in 2017, 2016. And... Uh, you know, I kind of had my fair share and I, I'm just leaving it at that. I don't, I don't, um, I don't want to get too involved with the whole investment side of things today, but I, I'm still, I still keep up to date with it. Um, I always really... think it. Oh, no, go ahead. Oh, I, I, I just, uh, I always think that it's so funny that there's like a whole economy to memes. I know, dude, it's, it's, it's <laughs> um, but I, I mean, like I'm, I'm more so into the technology behind it. Um, uh, the project I'm most uh, invested in is uh, uh, Ethereum, and mm. it's cool because you can build decentralized applications. Uh, so the Ethereum network is is basically one huge decentralized supercomputer, and people can build applications on top of it, um, and it, it's really cool. So I, I definitely recommend people look into that. It, it's very surreal to like hear about Ethereum. And then see like the founder come on to like the Lex Friedman podcast and he's just like a dude. Yeah. Is that ever weird to you? Is that there's like these these like monoliths of of tech and then you meet the person that made it and you're like, wow, they're they like put one leg into each pant just like me. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a weird thing to say, but but it's it was definitely weird to like that they're they're really unique. Like like if you watch like the podcast with like uh uh elon musk and stuff like that sometimes you you watch them and you're like this person's an alien what what how how are we the same species but um but like listening to that guy it was it was like really cool um and i think that's part of the reason why i love podcasts so much especially ones that have video because um you can actually like really get to know this person they're not just like a meme anymore they're not just like i don't know like some uh mascot for some big company like when you get get to listen to like two hours of the founder of ethereum you're like oh this is a totally different way of understanding this person yeah yeah it's a bit surreal like um putting a face to like it's such a massive project uh was it uh i think his name is vitalik or something like that um yeah i think so yeah yeah he's a that guy's a genius. He's really smart. Um, but it, it's also weird because uh, the founder of, of like Bitcoin is, is like anonymous. No one really knows who it is. So when you see like a name tied to some cryptocurrency or, or blockchain project, it's kind of like, oh, there's, there's actually someone backing this. So Absolutely. Well, it has been really, really fun talking to you. And the, the last thing that I do uh, is... Um, if, if people want to reach out to either of us, if they're like super interested in Lula or they want to talk about like 
co-op or, or anything like that, um, uh, they can reach out to you here. So I'm going to start of like talking about myself and how people can reach out to me. And then we can uh, finish up with you and how people can reach out to you. Does that sound good? Yeah, sounds great. Awesome. Okay. Well, hi, everybody. <laughs> My name is Emily Giordano, and I am a web designer and Webflow developer. Um, I make websites. It's super fun. It's my favorite thing in the world. Um, and when I'm not on this podcast talking to people and I'm not doing video reviews to other people's websites, um, I uh, make them myself, whether it's a static website where it's kind of like... Um, the uh, digital representation of a uh, business card and you just want people to like know who you are, basic information, or if it's something on the whole other end of the spectrum, which where it's like somebody's logging into a website, um, they have their username and password, they have their account, there's animations, there's all of these different things. Um, Webflow is amazing and you can have the full spectrum endless integrations. It's it's super cool. So if you're ever interested in working with me on a project um, and you even just like to, to reach out, um, you can email me, uh, which is emily, E-M-I-L-Y, at greatdesignlead.com. Or you can find my website, which is www.greatdesignlead.com. And now we're going to uh, finish up with Tom. Awesome. Thanks. Hey, everyone. Again, my name is Tom Falzani, um, co-founder and CPO of Lula. And I absolutely love building things from scratch, always thinking about future technology. So um, if you ever need advice about, you know, college, getting started with things, um, you know, Drexel co-op uh, or just building a company or, or just want to chat about my experience, you can, you can uh, send me an email. It's tom at lulodelivery.com. And uh, yeah. Um, again, thank you for having me, Emily. This, this was super fun and uh, I really appreciate it. It was, it was a great time chatting with you. Absolutely. I, I, it, was, it was really fun for me too. And thanks for making time in your day to come on. So uh, I, I guess this is just a goodbye until next time. Yeah, of course. Um, hopefully uh, I, can, I can get on here again. We'll, we'll definitely chat. In the Absolutely. Future. Great. Can't wait. I'll see you then. Thanks, Emily. Bye-bye.